In the year 1223, Saint Anthony of Padua was in the Italian town of Rimini, and there were many heretics that were there. And I don't know if you know this, one of Saint Anthony's nicknames is the Hammer of Heretics. Now really what he was, though, was a hammer of heresy, because through his preaching and sometimes his miracles, he destroyed heresy, but he saved the lives and souls of heretics who converted. So in this town of Rimini, uh, there was in particular one man named Bonavillo, who, among his other erroneous beliefs, he didn't believe in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And in fact, he challenged Anthony publicly. He said, okay, okay, Anthony, if this is real, let's put it to the test. I have a mule, one of my best mules, I will, I will withhold food from my mule for three days. And after the three days, we will have you bring the Eucharist, and I'll bring food, and we'll see which one the mule goes to. So Anthony felt like he needed to, to take this challenge, because a lot of people, their faith depended on it. He himself fasted for three days. And on the third day, he celebrated the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And he walked out of the church in Eucharistic procession, and Bonavilla was there, and he had, he had withheld food from his mule for three days. And he walked out, and he set this basket of hay. And Anthony stood there with the Blessed Sacrament. And Bonavilla let the mule go, and guess what? He went to the Blessed Sacrament. The mule went to his knees and bowed its head. Bonavilla converted, and so did many in that town. Forty years later, there was another priest in Italy, in the town of Orvieto, who was celebrating the Mass, and he was having doubts in the real presence of Jesus. After the consecration, he lifted up the host, and the host began to bleed. And the blood went everywhere. It went on the linens, what's called the corporal. It happened to be that the Pope was living nearby, or staying nearby uh, to the Orvieto. And so this priest took, took this bloodstained linen, in fact, and he, and he told the Pope that he had been doubting, and the Pope forgave him. The Pope investigated this, and a year later, he instituted the solemnity of the most holy body and blood of the Lord. That's the feast that we celebrate today. Now, to understand this mystery, I think it's helpful to take a step back and ask what are sacraments generally and why are sacraments generally. So, one definition that I like, and maybe all of you can remember it, is uh, a sacrament is a sign instituted by Christ to give grace. A sign instituted by Christ to give grace. Now, the why of the sacraments is this, that you and I, as human beings, we have body and soul and spirit, right? We're not just spiritual beings. In fact, we relate to everyone else and to the whole world around us through our bodies, through our senses. And so, God wants to come to us according to our full nature. That is the why of the sacraments. Through the sacraments, material things, these signs, become vessels of God's action upon us. And this is actually an extension uh, of, this, of the central sacrament, really, which is the invisible God in Christ becomes visible, right? The incarnation. The sacraments extend the incarnation, especially that of the Eucharist, across space and across time. Now, for each sacrament, something is chosen 
which is suitable, fitting for the grace that it's communicated, for the meaning and the, and the spiritual benefit. So, for example, for baptism, what did Christ choose? Water, right? And water, naturally, is connected with life, with death, and with cleansing, okay? So that's, that shows you kind of what it does spiritually, right? Well, he chose at the Last Supper bread and wine to be the elements of the sacrament of the Eucharist. Now, it happened to be that a Passover always included that in the meal, bread and wine. Right? And again, these are, these are fitting and suitable for the grace that is given. Right? So bread is, before Jesus and after Jesus, has been, for many, many millions of people, a staple food. Right? Your basic nourishment, get your, 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 your calories right, to, to survive. Um, bread also is the color of skin, right? It somewhat, somewhat resembles that. Huh? Now, wine is the more than, right? So wine is the extra of life. Wine raises our awareness of being alive. It rouses us to song, to poetic enthusiasm, to fearless courage, and to lofty thoughts. And there was a reason why people thought at Pentecost the apostles were drunk. It's not being drunk, but there's something, it's kind of sober intoxication that, that we can experience with the Spirit of God. At Mass, the bread and wine are consecrated separately. Why? Because death happens when blood leaves the body. After consecration, you may notice, I put in a small piece of the host into the chalice. What does that mean? It reminds us of the resurrection. I say these words quietly. May this mingling of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bring eternal life to those who receive it. Bread and wine we also find early in salvation history in the story of Abraham and Melchizedek. That was our first reading. So what's the background here? Abraham has just rescued his nephew Lot and done battle and won victory over the Canaanite kings. And as he's leaving the victory, he is met by this mysterious figure named Melchizedek. His name means king of righteousness. Also, he is the king of Solemn, which means peace. He's not just a king, though. He's also a priest, because what does he do? He offers a thanksgiving offering to Yahweh on behalf of Abraham and his victory, right? And he offers it what? Not the usual offering of an animal, which we see in the Old Testament usually. What does he offer? Bread and wine. And what does he do to Abraham? He blesses Abraham. What does Abraham do, do for him? He gives him a tenth of all of his belongings. The church has always understood Melchizedek as kind of a symbol or a figure of Christ. And that's why we sung in the psalm, To Christ, you are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Every society offered some kind of sacrifice to the gods. Often animal, sometimes even human sacrifice. And this, there was a universal sense that Heaven is displeased. There is something wrong. There is something broken in our relationship with the higher. We try to make it right, but we can't. This universal feature of religion points to Christ, the priest and king who offers the perfect sacrifice, which is himself. This is what makes us righteous, and this is what makes peace with God. The Eucharist is a perpetual celebration of this once-for-all sacrifice, and we get to be a part of it. We get to participate in it. God wants us to participate in our salvation. 
In the gospel, Jesus multiplies the bread and fish to feed the hungry crowd. He could have made bread and fish out of nothing, right, as God, but he doesn't. What does he do? He says, what do you have? Give me what you have, and then he makes more from that. He wants us to participate in our salvation. Think of bread and wine. We did not create wheat. God gave us wheat. But we have to cultivate it. We have to process it for it to become bread. We put something of ourselves, our ingenuity, our labor, our creativity into this gift that God gave us, and it makes it more, right? Think of wine, right? We didn't invent grapes, but we cultivate them, and we, we, we process them. Whoever came up with this was, was brilliant, right? And, and, and fermentation and everything, find out that this can make this drink, right? Now, now think about this. So something God gives, we put something of ourselves into it, so in the Mass, what do we do? Now we offer this back to God. What does God do? God gives us something infinitely greater in return. Right? He transforms it into salvation and perfect life. Again, it's not just a gift we receive, but it's an action in which we participate. So all of you are supposed to participate in this offering. And when you come to Mass by listening, by praying, by singing, by kneeling, by standing, and even more than that, we are to come and to have collected spiritually and mentally our entire life to bring to the Lord. Now one symbol of this giving back to God is, is, is the monetary donation you give. You know, Abraham gave a tenth to God. I'll be happy if you guys give 5%, 3%, something like that even. But beyond that, that monetary gift and the bread and wine themselves are symbols of our works, of our joys, and of our sufferings. Okay. So we bring this and we should put it on the altar mentally when the bread and wine are being brought forward. Also, too, the Mass then should extend outward to the rest of our lives. It helps us to become more conscious, conscious of how we are freely and generously participating in the salvation of the world, even in the most ordinary things like taking care of your kids, doing a good job at work, and being a good friend. Ordinary things which God uses to transform the world like bread and wine. This is an inexhaustible mystery. If you find yourself bored at Mass, ask God to change that within you, which prevents you from perceiving the beauty and the majesty and the awesomeness of the Eucharist. After all, if a mule can do that, so can you. <laughs>